I'm Shannon. And I'm Sierra. And we've been best friends for the past eight years. Has this ever happened to you? Some well-intended individual inquires. How are you? But instead of being your sounding board, they end up just sounding sounding board. Well, we're here to lend an ear as our guests unpack their hopes and fears. So come join us in a space where vulnerability is strength and humor is healing. While we genuinely inquire, how are you feeling? And what's been storming your brain? 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 What has been storming your What's been storming your brain? Brainstorming the podcast. Hi, Shannon. Hi, Sierra. Happy day after Mother's Day. Yeah, happy day after Mother's Day. Did we you... always spend the day after Mother's Day together. Every year. Mm-hmm. Every mm-hmm. year. Did you do anything special? I FaceTime my mother. We had a nice little FaceTime. We watched a TV show together, live stream, you know, like That's we nice. texting. Oh, how about that part, huh? That kind Which of show did you watch? Um, so it's Tina Fey's newest show. It's on NBC streaming Peacock. Peacock. Okay. Not sponsored. Not sponsors of us. No, 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 no. no. Um, but it's called <laughs> Girls Five Eva. It's actually oh, quite cute. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All yeah. Right. About like a girls group that reunites, but now they're in their like 40s. Oh, wait, that's great. It's clever. Yeah. Anyway, what'd you do for Mother's Day? Um, I worked Mm -hmm. and then I FaceTimed my mom and then I actually ended up watching a shit ton of home videos because my mom had like sent them and I spent like four hours on my couch just watching these home videos. Classic cancer. Yeah, classic (laughs) cancer, sentimental. Um, yeah, so it was actually really nice. Wow. Um, but here we are day after Mother's Day. Here we are. Episode number 10, if I dare say. <gasps> it's our 10th episode. It's our 10th episode. That's big. And all of our listeners are getting 10 cents. 10 cents a dance. Remember that song? Yeah. yeah. 10th uh, and final episode. No, I'm mm-hmm. kidding. It's not yeah. final. <laughs> final one. Nope. Uh, that's enough. 10's, 10's enough. We're and done. our, our no. guest today, I've actually known for about 10 minutes, met him. Yeah in a chat room. I have, (laughs) I've only known him for 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, but you, I've known him for a couple years now. We met back in 2019. I just started at a new job and he was my boss. He was in charge of my life. And we very quickly became friends. Um, mostly surrounding the TV show. I think you should leave by Tim Robinson. And it was just like, felt so comfortable with Mm. him. A lot of laughter, which is always like a good sign. Mm -hmm. And now he lives on the other side of, I always want to say country. It is the other side of the country. I always want to say that because it's the truth. He lives on the other (laughs) side of the country. Now he's in LA and we're in NYC. And his name is Joseph Rosen. Hello. Hey, guys. What's up? Thank you guys for having me. Thanks for being here. How was your Mother's Day? My Mother's Day was like kind of a bummer because I didn't see my mom, but um, I did call her. um, And I actually, I just got a ticket to go back to the East Coast for end of June, like a little into early July. So we'll be seeing her, which is cool. Was this your first This was your first Mother's Day. Yeah, without my mom. Yeah, because last year, or no, I I did go home for Mother's Day. And it was like, I like rented a car because I was still in New York. And I was very stressed about COVID and like bringing it over from the train. So yeah, I I drove and I, I went to go see her, which was fun. Yeah, you're very close with your mom, which I always love. Yes, I'm I'm an Italian boy 
and I'm obsessed with my mother, as the stereotype goes. As well, you should. She has phenomenal hair. Yes, she rocks. Yeah, yeah. I was um telling Sierra about the first day that we met. We had like a training in the morning for we were learning how to be baristas, and then they, <laughs> they were like, <laughs> "I was so bad at that." Um. Really, really stressful. They're like, "All right, we're opening a whole new location, and you're gonna learn how to make coffee." Go. I'm like typing in the Sonos password as I'm burning milk in the steamer. Um. <laughs> this is sustainable. Um, so they were like okay go take a lunch we said okay so we went to madison square park right is that Hmm. what that one's called yeah that was like the benefit i loved that's like my favorite part of that shop was like just getting to go to the park to eat and like there's also like ten thousand lunch places around so it's like you can just get your food and go to the park (laughs) yes and so we were sitting in the park we're looking at all the pups and i remember joseph telling me that french bulldogs None of them are natural births. They're all C-section. Yes, it's all C-section. It's kind of fucked up because I do, I like really think they're cute and yeah. I like them. And I really like pugs, mm-hmm. but like, yeah, it's it's very inhumane. It's like some like Roman breeding, like lap dog breeding shit. I don't know. That's so sad. It's so sad. Do you see them as much in LA? Yeah, a lot of, a lot of like, uh, <laughs> like wealthier people, I feel like have like their Frenchie with like a goyard collar, some crazy. <laughs> stuff i feel like that that is a parallel for new york lady yeah. gaga had has frenchies and did you hear about this no. they were like kidnapped i did hear about her this. dog walker oh was god. shot and they took these dogs and oh my god yeah the the dog walker is fine and they found the dogs and like arrested five people and the thing is i don't think these people even knew they were lady gaga's dogs but there is such a high yeah. market for French bulldogs. How could that, they not? They were in full chromatic. Yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> I saw a really good video of her yesterday where she's like in Italy and she has like this bouquet of flowers and she like goes over to her, you know, the mass of fans that are like waiting for her. And she like kind of just like throws the flowers like you'd throw bread to ducks and all all the people just kind of swarm and take them and they're like crying and it's it's so so funny it's it's a really good bit i'll have to send it to you guys after this. they're like they're like roses with extra thorns oh, oh, oh god <laughs> wanting them please Why? send that <laughs> no i will for sure so i mean you've had a nutty transition to the West Coast. But it when you told me it was like, oh, that makes sense. Did it make sense to you at that moment? Or is it starting to make more sense now that you've been there a little over a year? The like intuitive sense to move, it was Cozy's idea. I, I like, I'll give her my girlfriend, Cozy, like brought it up when we were kind of just hanging out in quarantine. And I'm like, I love New York so much and I love the East Coast too. And I've visited LA like a bunch of times cause I have a really close friend who lives out here and he moved here kind of when I moved to New York in 2017. Okay. Um, and I liked it, but I never really saw myself like living here, but kind of, you know, as I'm sure many of your guests and you guys can also agree on like COVID definitely makes you like reevaluate a lot of your life (laughs) and like what you're doing and where you are. And I was kind of just thinking like, well, if I'm paying a high cost of living like in a city and I'm like working full time, like I'd like to be somewhere where I can like be outside and kind of like have a little more autonomy with like where I'm going. Cause it, I don't know, we lived in, I had moved from Ridgewood in with cozy during COVID. That's right. Because like, I just like, I was basically there and 
like social distancing with my roommate and so it made sense and like we were living in like a big building it was an older building in Bed-Stuy and it like you're living on top of each other and like it's just like scary (laughs) anxiety inducing and um we just thought we would do a change and you know you're getting like the stimulus and the extra unemployment and I like had some savings so I was like okay like you know it's something we can do um and then yeah, my old job where we met, um, like at the barbershop, like they ended up buying out another barbershop and opening shops there. So it was like after I decided they were kind of like, oh, we're actually like you can actually work, which was good because that definitely helped us like secure an apartment. I think having like proof of employment. Yeah. Wow. Um, or like being able to say you work there. And yeah, the transition, it was it was nutty. Like it moving during COVID is so insane and I did it twice like once of which across the country um and like it's definitely like you know I'm sure moving like even in the city like even like uh, it's emotional and all your stuff is everywhere (laughs) and you're just like so uprooted and like I'm so impatient with like having things the way they need to be it's like one of my evil Virgo traits I was just about to say yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) um and it's just like really hard like having all your stuff and like having like kind of stand-in stuff for like other and like not really having like a routine or a system that makes sense because of the way stuff is set up um so it was crazy like shipping my stuff across the country Jesus um and like living without stuff for a while and just like finding a car was weird but that's a funny story maybe I'll get into that story later but the guy that I got my car from has the same name as me and we also have the same birthday wait tell Um, us tell the story now okay (laughs) all right okay um so like I was having trouble finding a car and I'd like done some just like research on reddit and like asked some friends like what's just like a cheap reliable thing and it's just like I got like a 2010 scion like just like small car um but I was like looking into the models and like checking out some and I felt like I kept getting screwed over with like what they were about to have me sign on. I was like, this seems like a lot and I don't want to pay this. Um, And so I was getting like really frustrated and I like walked away from so many like salesmen trying like, I I don't know. I was just like, no, it's not worth it. And I eventually like found this one ad on Craigslist that seemed so sketchy that was just like for a car. And I like hit up the number and they gave me the address and I went and it's like a used car dealership kind of far out in Vinoy. I don't know if Shannon, if you know, like it's like, you know that it's like a kind of middle of nowhere area, but um, I like when she's from um, LA area as well. So, okay, cool. Yeah. It's like 25 minutes from the city. Um, Like South. Okay. Yeah. I think it's South. I don't know. I'm horrible at geography. Anyway, (laughs) um, I went and I like it's like this tiny trailer and a tiny lot of used cars and I like go up to the door and right away the guy's like right he's like in the door frame like next to my face I was like oh my god I was like I'm sorry I was like I'm here to like see this car he's like all right come on let's go like he's like let's go see the car right now like he was moving like 10,000 miles a minute also his name's also Joe um he's like also classically like at this point it is funny to me like how he's it's one of the people that wear the mask like this and their like entire nose and top of their mouth is out of the mask Uh Um, Uh which is just super funny (laughs) to be (laughs) interacting with someone that close I mean it's not funny but in retrospect that thinks that like this is cutting it like this is what's the point you might as well just take it off right like (laughs) I just 
just want to do a classic got your nose and then it's like, (laughs) they're fine. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. He also, you'll love this, um, had a suit in the backseat of the car that was his. And he was like, yeah, I've been driving this one to work. He's like, it drives so nice, blah, blah, blah. Oh. And yeah, we, he like took it around the block. He was on the phone, like on speaker while we were doing the test drive, oh. which I thought was really funny. Cause like we had met <laughs> seconds ago. Um, and yeah, then we like got back to the office and we, I was like filling out the paperwork and he found out I had the same birthday as him and he knocked a thousand dollars off my car. What? I was like, whoa. I was like, I was like, that's pretty cool. I don't know. That was like the ultimate hookup. But yeah, he's so, so insane and so funny. And like every time I go there, he like brings up the birthday thing and it makes me laugh. Like I'll go there to like get parts for the car or something mm-hmm. if I need it. But yeah, I don't know. That was like one of my intro moments. <laughs> it's very funny. Honestly, that's um, like a great sign though. That just like really yeah. sets you, <laughs> sets you there. There have been a lot of, I think like affirmations and you know, it's like, was my fear to be somewhere where I don't really have family. And like, I know very limited people, but there have been like a lot of affirming signs of just like things like I got, I'll segue into like, so now for work, I yeah. don't work at the barbershop anymore. Right. Which is like a recent thing. I recently left. But this had been like storming your brain for a while. Yeah. I wanted to leave for a while. I mean, I can say that. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, it just like, um, and this isn't like a critique of the work or like the labor that people do. Like some people love it. Like the person who took my place loves it. And she's like, I kind of, she's like, I kind of love the chaos. And she's like, I love barbers. And I love like, she's like, I kind of thrive on the like craziness of it and I'm like that's great (laughs) not me (laughs) yeah like I don't like chaos um Mm -hmm. but yeah it just like it got to the point where it's hard for me to do work it feels like it exists in this vacuum where I'm nothing's I'm not really doing like I'm not working towards a goal or like it's kind of just the running this like monotonous cycle um, and then sometimes problems just happen in the cycle. And I don't know, like it, yeah. it very like, wasn't really rewarding what I wanted to do. And I was fine with it because I, I had like a lot of parts of my extracurricular life in New York, which were fun. Um, and like, I like doing nightlife and like hanging out and stuff like that and seeing live music. So at the time it was fine. Right. But I think when like nothing is open, like in LA or, and and, like, you're still kind of trying to explore and check out the area. It was hard to like stay excited about being one place full time. Yep. Um, And just like, yeah, you know, it's like you work, every job has like an expiration, like to a certain point. Like, I think there's just like a time to leave. And like, that was it. And like, I didn't leave on bad terms. And there are so many people I love from the job and I am thankful for it. Like it's paid my rent and helped me do so many, so much stuff. So it's cool. But yeah, it just kind of hit the limit. Absolutely. And it, it's something, but it's something that's so common with creative people And they have that, you know, whatever you want to call it, your support job, what, Mm -hmm. you know, it was, it was deemed to us. It was described to us as like your survival job in college, which is kind of like, do you want to be like muggle job surviving? Yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. But (laughs) we talked about this, like when we first met, like there's that creative kick that you got to like satisfy. And like you said, you were, you were going out and you were enjoying live music and you were DJing a little bit here and there. Um, and so much else was going so well, but like you said, when that gets stripped away and all you have is the, like the monotony, you start to put things in perspective. So now how did that lead you to 
you've always like had something else that you're working on. Like, I feel like you were working on like, a collection of poetry for a little bit here when you were in New York. Now going to LA, trying to find stability with the furniture restoration. Was that like your first, like, I don't know, touchstone? That, yeah, that definitely got me going in the direction. It's the furniture restoration is also like kind of one of those like affirming. It really happened by surprise. Like I didn't really go into LA being like, I want to learn furniture restoration. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we were, so we were like furnishing the house and we, we really needed a dresser. Like even when our stuff came, we didn't take our dresser cause we had like limited space and it just didn't fit. And it was, we had a huge dresser. So it just what didn't make sense. And so I've been like looking online cause I really didn't want to get Ikea because it's still, it's like, Ikea is expensive. It's still expensive mm -hmm. and yeah. it fades and dies on you like it's really fast quality. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'd had Ikea furniture in New York and I was fine with that cause my room was small and like, it worked, but I didn't want that. I wanted something that was like going to last and something that was stable. And there is this dresser um, that I kept seeing on Craigslist that I was just like obsessed with. It's just, uh, it's this company Drexel. They're like a mid-century modern brands. They're pretty famous, like design house. And it was fully restored and like this like honey color all over it. And then the front of it's like olive green and it has like brass inlet handles. It's like, it's so beautiful. I'll send you guys a photo, but I was just like obsessed with it. And I, it's, it was priced so high um, on Craigslist. And I was just like, yeah, I, I can't afford this right now. And um, my friend got a dresser from this vintage furniture dealer and she was like, you should check him out. He's got like a lot of stuff for good prices. Like he has a whole range of like nice to like more affordable, like restored, unrestored stuff. So I texted him and like went to go check out some stuff. I mentioned I was looking for a dresser and he's like, yeah, I'll pull some stuff out for you from like our storage unit. Um, and when I got there, the green dresser was just sitting in the front. Um, and I was just like, Ugh. and like, I knew I was going to buy it. I was like, I ha like I'm going to buy it. Um, but the price he gave me was, it was expensive, but it was significantly lower than what it was like listed as on Craigslist and stuff. Um, like almost like $800 cheaper than what oh, it was wow. listed wow. as. So I was like, it was still expensive, but Cozy and I saw it and we were just like, let's like, you know, we had a little bit of money and we we're like, let's just get something that we love. And, you know, the benefit of buying nice furniture is that you can resell it and that it doesn't lose its value and that, um, you can always like sell it back for, you know, at least a fraction of the price. Um, yeah. And if you're moving into a, you know, a chapter in your life where you and Cozy are making like a home together, like so much of New York is, and we're both, most of our houses stoop finds, like most of it is street furniture mm -hmm. and down the line, I do want to restore it and make that a project, you know, but it's also that like, well, I can't fully sand something in my New York right. apartment, you know? So right. totally, I totally love that, that you're choosing pieces that make you happy and that's something that like on the Virgo side, like it's not just like a whim of a purchase. Like, you really do love the piece. You respect the work that went into it. And so that kind of led you to ask more questions, I guess. Yeah. So to pick up, um, I bought it from Philip. Um, and then a week later I hit him up on the number and I was like, Hey, I'm really interested in like getting involved because I was looking at the dresser every day. I like stare at it. Like <laughs> I, I, I like looking at it. It looks so nice. And like, I feel like it just really like completes the room. Um, and I was just like obsessing over it. And I was like, I should just try to do this. Um, and so I texted him and he was like, 
he responded and was like, that's really funny. Like, I'm actually looking for help. Like, I need a hand. Like, he's like, we have, he's like, I have one other person that helps me with like restoration, but um, like at the volume we're moving, I need another hand. Wow. Um, so he brought me on and he's super great guy. I love him. Like one of my best friends here, just grew up in LA, um, has been dealing furniture for like seven years. Um, and he's just like taught me so much about like hunting and restoring and flipping and like, yeah, it's like a whole world out here. And a lot of the thing is, it's like a lot of people are doing it now. Like, like post COVID or like during COVID, it's like a lot of people have picked it up. Our friend Travis, who's, who still works at the barbershop with me, his parents live in Boston and they've become huge. Like that's their thing on the weekends. They'll go to the thrift store, get a bunch of stuff and then upsell it to people and redo the whole thing. But that's like their fun thing. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And anybody can do it. And like, it's, you just need a space in the materials. Um, and like I, I've passed info along. I've brought one of my good friends who I met here, my friend, and Jack um, I brought in and now he works for the collective we're like a little we call it like a collective because we work for ourselves but like we also collab and like split stuff and like we'll split the buy-in and then we'll both work on it and like you know split it down the middle we just got an upholsterer too which is Ooh. cool he's like in our crew so we're doing like couches now it's <laughs> our goal is to open a store that's like what we really want to do Joseph, like a, that's so I feel cool. like it would be cool so yeah I no, I just like like you were saying earlier, I'm a, at least I was, we don't have room anymore, but <laughs> especially when we first got this apartment was a big stupor and would go on like Facebook marketplace and look for things. And like most everything in this apartment, including the couch, stu- including the couch, yeah. which is another story that we don't need to get into. I want to hear about the couch. <laughs> well, basically we got it. Like my boyfriend's sister was visiting. We had this cute yellow couch, but it was so uncomfortable. It and was. we were looking for another couch and this showed up in our lobby. And because his sister was here, she really sort of like was on my side, egged me on. And we were like, we have to, we're doing it. We're bringing it up. And my boyfriend was like, okay, we brought it up six flights of stairs. Um, you know, vacuumed it, whatever, checked it out. It looked great. It was so perfect. A month later, I'm laying on the couch and long story short, we find a bed bug. New York nightmare. New York nightmare. Uh Up until then, if I had seen anything with like, that wasn't just like a hard piece of wood or something, like I would never get a couch off the street. Yeah. But it was in the lobby. You know what I mean? How did that leave a sign? Exactly. You put a sign on that. Exactly. So, and the thing is, it took like a month too. So I think maybe they had partially treated it but you're supposed to get two treatments when you have bed bugs um and Mm. that will that will clear them out but if you only do the one and there are eggs i think that's what happened because it wasn't like infested but it was like yeah there are yeah there are some bed bugs so this was the first week of quarantine too so we (gasps) yeah no yep so we had to pack up our whole it was like we were moving yeah pack up everything wash everything on high heat you guys came over yeah we like had to leave our apartment for a full day and it got taken care of and it's great and like it's fully clean. I mean, we've had it for like a year now it's great it's comfy it's it has like automatic recliner so Anyway, all this to say, I'm a big stooper. The couch is fine. Most everything in this apartment has been stooped. And there's even like a piece of furniture, a little shelf we found on our stoop that I loved so much that we recreated a second one to mirror it. And I think Whoa. we did a pretty good job. Cool. We found like the yeah. right stain. I love that. Yeah. And 
I've always just enjoyed that. I've always enjoyed like finding the stooped item and seeing the potential in it and just like making it my own. But I would love to learn more about that. Yeah. The fact that you're able to like make money off of that, that is a dream job. It's true. It's like, it's a little slow like this month, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's like a good time to like beef up my stock of like restored stuff. And like some stuff I just flip as is like, I have, I bought like a lot of marble and like it's so heavy to move but the payoff is always really good (laughs) so (laughs) I've been like trying to just collect stuff that makes sense to have an investment um and I have like another job that I got that kind of went to my exit that's more like woodworking and custom woodworking oh cool um and that's gonna be I have like a big month and a half job with him that's coming up soon so that will be like consistent work that I get that's great oh my Um, gosh so it's like yeah it's it's like scary and I'm very like I need like a I need financial security all the time like it's like I'm very attached to that but I'm learning how to like just trust that things will work out and because like I am happier and I do feel a lot more rewarded like working for myself and kind of like running my own schedule um and not having to like report to anybody it's oh my really gosh nice. that's I big imagine so do you like you like seek out specific thrift stores, take it, like, is it a full day of hunting? Like you said, like, what's the process? So um, like Sierra said, actually, Facebook marketplace is like the real hot spot. Like people just list everything there because it's easier to use for like older people than Craigslist or like some of these other apps. And sometimes old people will be getting rid of crazy stuff for like nothing because they just want to go the secretary we moved to my apartment. Oh yeah. That we found in Savannah's across from her old apartment. The woman was just put it in the hallway and was like, it's this beautiful secretary. Yeah. yeah. It's no, really she just nice. Gave it to me. She just fully gave yeah. it to me. It's amazing. Yeah. You yeah, you come up on crazy finds. And honestly, now because it's become really hot to do in LA, we travel kind of far, like an hour or so outside the city to like get certain stuff. Because like a lot of it is tapped and instead of just grabbing everything that could be restored, you want to get like the premium stuff that's like, looks nice. And Philip, like I owe so much to Philip because he knows like more about furniture and interior decor than like anyone I've ever met. Like the other day we picked up this brass sculpture, like a wall hanging sculpture. It is so ugly. Like it's the (laughs) ugliest thing I've ever seen. Like it looks like it would be in Marshall's. It's like a it's like a farmhouse and like a wheel it's like so so ugly like really like live laugh love like rustic vibes and he was like I was like why are we like picking this up and it was like $15 or something and he's like look up and he like gave me the designer name and the name of the sculpture and it's like $800 like (gasps) online and I'm like I, I like how did you know like how do you know these things like I don't I would never be able to collect all that information. That's so wild. Yeah, super funny. And like, what a beautiful state to drive through. So oh, like, yeah. not a it's problem true. to drive an it's hour. Cool. It's like so gorgeous. Yeah. And our workspace is outside. It's oh. like, I like working outside and yeah, just like yeah. hanging out in the studio. It's a lot of fun for sure. So what do you love particularly with the restoring furniture and now segueing into you're interested in tattooing. What do you love about how your brain works when you're doing the restoring furniture? Like what particularly about your brain? I think like I have an attention to detail. um, And so that helps me with like restoration and that like, I really don't leave any blemishes like on the piece. And I really like 
seeing the result of the labor like in real time and kind of just like starting with something like I'm working on something right now that's super beautiful wooden dresser that had four coats of paint on it and I've been like stripping it for like a full week it's taken <gasps> so long but it's so nice underneath it's like this like tigered maple it's like really 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 good looking wow um and like yeah I like I like being able to just like really zone in on something and kind of just like get it done and like focus on it until it's done um it's it feels nice to complete something for sure yes yes and isn't that such a metaphor for our lives we're just putting pain on ourselves we gotta strip that <laughs> strip that yeah. take it off strip the pain <laughs> bare wood do you, do you do. find that that's this that your attention to detail with restoring furniture translates over to tattooing as well oh yeah sorry to like completely ignore the tattooing that's oh, it's yeah. ironic because that's like the most that's the thing I'm probably the most obsessed with um yeah so tattoo is like um I've been like obsessed with tattoos since I was like a child like I really and I know that sounds like corny to be like I wanted tattoos when I was six but like, <laughs> it's like I have always just been fascinated with like the just like I don't know um transferring images to the body and like having images on your body um and having them be permanent and my dad had tattoos and like my aunt has some tattoos and my parents are both art teachers and artists independently so I grew up around like a lot of tattooed people okay um and so I knew I like I really have been obsessed with tattoo as an art form for like a long time definitely like picking up when I was a teenager and like I just have followed so many artists and like just like have a lot of respect for the craft. Um, like on my 18th birthday, I got tattooed right away, like on my birthday. And like, it was, it's just like something I've always loved. And in New York, I was getting tattooed and like seeing kind of some of the people I think are like the legends there when I could, but it's just like money was so tight most of the time that I like slowed down. Um, whereas in LA, I like, just like was getting tattooed a lot, like since I've been here and um, just like meeting artists that I really like um, who are kind of like giving me new perspectives on it. Um, and I sort of like around the same time I was restoring furniture, I was getting tattooed pretty actively. And I started thinking about how like I draw and I think my drawings translate well to tattoo. And I just started becoming interested in, I didn't really know where to start. Um, it's a very gate kept tradition. I don't know if okay. you guys know this. It's, a, it's no. very like, you can't go online and you can't order like a like tattooing for dummies or like a book on tattooing. They don't exist. Like okay. it, they're okay. Well now I, I won't get into this yet, but there is a book that recently came out that I think is a great resource for people looking to get into tattooing. But in terms of like a guide book, they don't really exist that you can buy. They do for like a lot of money. But it's because tattooing traditionally is passed down from mentor to, to apprentice. Okay. Um, and that's the traditional route. You are taken on as an apprentice. You work in the shop. You probably sterilize needles and tools for like a year um, or more <laughs> before you even start touching people with wow. a needle. Um, and then you put in your hours, you get licensed, and then you start doing tattoos and you start you know, most people advise you start for free or you start for really low amounts of money. Okay. Um, and 
yeah and then you're a professional tattooer you work in a shop that's that's like the that was for a long time that was the only route to do it if you wanted to just be like hey i want to learn the traditional way which i think is like totally valid because it's a permanent fucking thing like you said if it's not if it's not coming from a place of like, like you said, image on the body, artistry on the body, if it's just, I think it's cool, then maybe we don't give you right. these skills. Yeah. yeah. It's true. And, and in a lot of ways. So um, yeah, like that is the way you become a professional tattooer for a long time. And then on the other side of that is people who disagree. Okay. And they say that I don't want to do this, I want a machine now, or I'm going to build a machine, or I'm going to buy needles and I'm going to do it myself. And I'm going to listen to advice from people who have done it themselves. And so like this term in the tattoo world is called scratching. um, When you're not a a licensed tattooer, but you're tattooing. Okay. Um, So there is this rift in the culture where some uh, like, people who are, you know, super well-known tattooers. And these are people I love. Like I, I want to be an apprentice. I want to like do it the traditional way personally. Mm-hmm. And I want to get in like a shop and find a mentor. And I've, there's some areas where I feel like I have leads and people I go see and talk to like asking advice, but like some of the best tattooers in the world started scratching and they wow. didn't start in the shop and they, and they did it to themselves. And you know what? Like the truth is you do a lot of shitty tattoos. You do shitty tattoos for a while, you know, and you learn stuff every time. And there are people who are totally self-taught that did not do an apprenticeship that are not licensed, that are unbelievable tattooers. Like they're, they're unbelievable. And it doesn't mean that they don't respect that journey. It's just that they're approaching in a different way. And I, and you can do like everything sanitary in a sanitary way. You can know about sanitization. You can keep everything totally sterile and you cannot be licensed. Like not like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, it's, it's a big point of contention in the Absolutely. tattoo world. Hmm. Like a lot of people argue about it. Um, I'm tattooing my friends who know that I'm new and know exactly how many tattoos I've done. They know everything I have is professional. They know all my equipment is legit and they know oh. that everything is sterile and that like, this is them trusting me, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and like, it's been going well. Um, and, you know, when I get a mentor, he may get really mad that I've been doing that. And he also may tell me to stop. And I don't know if I will stop. <laughs> I don't know. Because it's like, I've already tasted it, you know? I've yeah. already, like, I've already been doing it a little bit. Um, but that being said, I think that, like, I think that the gatekeeping like while I understand the history behind it, I think gatekeeping is not constructive for the medium. Um, and a lot of it comes from points of like, oh, I don't want these tattooers like taking my business or taking my clients. But it's like, there are so many different styles. And like, I, I feel like I should definitely allude to the fact that like queer tattooers are owed a huge like credit to scratching and self-tattoo and like self-learning and self-teaching okay. like I don't know I've just like I've known queer tattooers who just like really help each other learn and like are willing to just like trust each other and like I don't know there's such a big part of the community now in this new school I think of tattooing mm. that like I don't know I I really like I don't know what the community would be like without them like contributing mm. these like 
just huge innovations and like artistic innovations. Right. That's why like homophobia is such a bummer because you're missing out on a yes spectrum full bummer in so many ways but like (laughs) it's yeah you're you're completely shutting yourself off 100 i mean like being against like any kind of queer person in the artistic realm is like you're losing (laughs) you're like you're absolutely losing right like the artists like i listen to the most probably like right now for music it's like belong to like the queer spectrum of like music output and like yeah, I don't know. It's like they're on the cutting edge of shit most right. of the time. And I think it's like, yeah, you learn so much by just like watching them work. And like, like I, I have a tattooer that I'm like lightly friends with here. Um, they just opened a shop like close by called Angel Kisses. And like they are like it's like a female slash like queer slash POC run shop. And like they're apprenticing people of color. And like, I think it's easy to like in the internet age, you know, like post infographics and like talk the talk and like, you know, say, say the right thing, but like, they're really running it over there and like doing just amazing, like beautiful stuff and like such a fun shop to go to. And like, if you're in LA, like check it out. Angel Kisses. Angel Kisses is the name of the studio. Um, But yeah, every artist there, super kind. I did a furniture trade actually with one of the artists, Sabrina. She gave me these little like crying, these little like teardrop eyes. I love that. Um, I love that. Yeah, and then, yeah, they gave me that and I traded them like chairs and like some stuff. That's cool. (laughs) That's so cool. So when you're tattooing, again, it comes with that like, that gratification, that reward with the furniture restoration. You like see your finished work. You see the person immediately respond to it. Yeah. Like how has that been feeling, especially the way you're doing with people that are trusting you? Well, it's like, it's gone both ways. <laughs> Where I'm like, <laughs> I do something and I'm like, oh my God. Like I, I've done, okay. So like I, I did text on somebody it was like the first one of the first things I did and I I voiced like a lot of times that I didn't really want to do this like thin text but they were and they knew it was my first tattoo or like yeah they knew it was like one of my first um and I was explaining that I I didn't want to do it and I did it anyway (laughs) because you know they knew everything you know it was like an ethical decision to me Mm. but I was like you know what like you're, you know, everything I know, like at this point, like I'm, I'm just going to try to do it. And it didn't go well. Text did not go well. I was not pleased on it. I have, I will touch it up. He's been like around, he didn't really care. He personally was like, he kind of has a sleeve going. So it's not like huge and like giant noticeable fucked up tattoo, but the lines are just shaky. And like, that's the truth of it, you know? But at the same time, I've done like a tattoo for one of my friends who it's my drawing and it comes out great and I love it. And like, um, and it's like amazing. It feels amazing. Like he's hyped. I'm hyped. Like there it is. Um, and I'm sure I'll have like a hundred more bad tattoos before I feel like I'm in a place where I'm really good. Um, but this is something where here's an, an interesting thing, I guess, like between the furniture and the tattoo, the learning curve for furniture is very small. Um, and the learning curve for tattoo is very big. So 
with furniture, I don't really have to be patient. I can just push myself and work where with tattoo, I have to be very patient. That was my next question in terms of how your brain works with these two new skills. What is challenging? Mm. Like you said, you're very attention, a, a, a detail oriented person. You can get really focused in and take your time. So on the flip side of that, what do you find is challenging about these new skills? Well, um, what's challenging is that there is a million ways something can go wrong and there's like one or two ways to fix what's going wrong oh okay so like not that it's going wrong all the time or I'm like making these mistakes that are like totally compromising what I'm doing but I think that in the moment it may be hard to take a step back and like be patient and just think of a solution to something and this is I'm also leaving out like a big part of this like I have an unofficial mentor like for tattoo um my friend uh dr nick bannon he is a doctor he's a real phd um which is very funny not like a pediatric he works in like neuroscience and like labs okay oh wow brilliant guy absolutely love him so thankful to him he built my machines and he also tattoos like one day a week he's very good he's in pittsburgh um and he kind of like he just made it very clear to me that you have to accept that you're going to make mistakes and you're going like as any field in like how many times have we all heard that like you know you're gonna you have to accept that you're gonna make mistakes but right. it's like you're gonna do shitty tattoos and there's nothing you can do about it and sometimes people will be pissed and sometimes they won't like it and and you you know you can offer all you can I can offer to fix it you don't have to pay for it like I can do everything in my power to kind of soften the blow but the reality is that like some of them are going to be bad. And like, I tattoo myself for that reason. I'm like, I fucked me up. You know, like, I, it's like, I know what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> and it's better than not doing the thing and sitting in the place of fear and sitting in the, well, what if, you know, I mean, that's with any creative right. endeavor. Like we know not every single episode is going to be like, God, I want to listen to that again. You know, someone right. might be like, oh, I got through half of that, you know? So it's okay. Like we have to just make the fucking thing and put it exactly. out there. Exactly. There are moments when you're going to be proud so, and there are moments yeah. where you're going to be cringing and kind of ashamed and that's okay. You know, and the important thing is to like forgive yourself yeah. and remember that it's like you, as long as you're transparent, I think that's it. Like if you're transparent, if you're like, this is how many tattoos I've done. Here are my drawings. Here are images of the tattoos. Um, realistically, here's what I can do. Like I've said no to so many people who are like, can you tattoo my fingers? And I'm like, no, <laughs> like I can't do that. Actually, yeah. It's like, no, like, <laughs> can you? It's a, yeah. experienced tattooers <laughs> yeah. struggle with the fingers. It's like, I'm not going to take on something that ethically I think will end up bad. And even I felt a little guilty with that first text or it didn't end up well, but at the same time, I'm like, well, I know that I did text again and it came out really good. So like I did somebody's, th- so I'm like, I learned from that one, put it into the next one, you know? Mm -hmm. So will you speak a little bit more about the resource you were saying that's a little bit less of a gatekeeping? So I think the behavior around gatekeeping um, is kind of ending because we're in a point where it's like, most people have had enough (laughs) of being kept out of creative fields. You know what I mean? Um, And so there is this book that has come out recently called Could This Be Magic? Um, which with a subtitle of Tattooing as Liberation Work. Um, it's written by a tattooer named Tamara Santibanez. Um, they are an amazing tattooer. 
They tattoo out of New York, all of you New York heads listening. Amazing, amazing person. I have work from them. Um, they are just so unbelievably um, supportive, I think, of people learning with this text. Um, and even experienced tattooers reading this text, um, it's all about kind of like, just like the maybe not talked about aspects of tattooing, as in like people with trauma, like people of different color who have had bad experience getting tattooed, navigating like consent for clients. And, and just kind of like something that I wanted to read that I feel like kind of encapsulates a bigger scope of the text is like the radical like potential of tattooing. Um, so these are things that like tattooing I think can mean that it's not looked at often. Um, and I'll go down the kind of the list that they prepare here in the text, which is authority and ownership over one's body uh, recording one's own history, cannot be taken away from you, reclaiming the body after trauma, defying stereotypes or prescribed roles, expressing pride in your culture or identity, resisting assimilation or erasure, and like lastly, being seen how you want to be seen. Um, and like these are, I think, some of like the core elements of tattoo and why I love tattoo and like why I want to be a tattoo artist is because like, you know, um, I've had issues with how I look like my whole life, you know, I'm sure most of us have. And like, there isn't a better feeling than like putting an image on your body that you're consenting to that you're excited about and changing literally what your body looks like. Um, and I don't know. It's, it is this, for me, a lot of it when I get tattooed is like about having control over myself and like picking this image that I want to be associated with my body or a part of my body or in cohesion with other tattoos. Um, and like, yeah, I just think that like, you know, um, growing up, it's like, I, I have my hand tattooed now and like my mom is like <laughs> not happy about it. And, you know, always says like, well, what if like, you know, what if when you're like interviewing for a job and it's like, I think those like stereotypes are kind of dead that like, you're not going to not get a job because yeah. you're tattooed. Like I have a friend who works like the most like work from home laptop job ever. And he's like covered like neck, like hands, finger, like everything. It's like, I just think that's not true. And I think now where we see a lot of people being silenced all the time, um, just like different groups of people being silenced for different reasons different groups of people not being heard, different people being kept out. Um, I think like tattoo is like a great way to be like, this is like my voice. Like I'm using my voice in a way that is silent, but like exists as an image. I don't know. Like I'm riffing here, but like, yeah. No, thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, mm -hmm. you're talking to two women with no ink, but there, right. I mean, there's never been, yeah, I've never felt like, putting my assumptions of what someone else chooses to put on their body no. on them. And so I really love how clearly they explain those points of, it can mean a, a myriad of things and it is not the viewer's job to guess what those reasons are, you know? Yeah. I've had that same experience too. I don't have any tattoos, but growing up, my mom would be like, don't get tattoos. Like your body, it's, Especially it's being permanent. an actor too. That's exactly, it's mm -hmm. the same thing. You can't, you won't be able to get certain jobs. And I watched a video recently with this girl, it's different, but similar. She's like, I can do, if my hair is pink, I can do the same job as I could if it was blonde, if my hair is green, totally. like talking about hair color. And like, if that is still an issue of it's a hindrance to you yeah. getting a job, do you even want that job? Right. I wouldn't. 
because that's bullshit that's so antiquated like yeah it's like I'm never going to work in an office setting like ever probably like I don't know like I I feel totally content and I also think like what we were what you were saying before like I don't think a tattoo has to have this like story or me like it's got to have this big epic meaning it's Mm. like maybe you like the image and maybe you like the image where it is on your body and it makes you feel Mm. good because of what it looks like it's like maybe it's super Mm. simple and you're like I think this looks cool and like that's why I want it um yeah and I think that's something that like you know maybe older generations are confused by well like not super tattooed people from older generations because there are a lot of like super tattooed people there was a a gentleman who just came into the barber shop and he was in his like fifties. And, um, one of the barbers was like, was, yeah. So what's the story here? And he was like a lot of people. And he was very, very, a lot of ink. And he, a lot of people he was like, a lot of people assume that I've been getting tattoos for a long period of time. He was like, this happened in the last four years. He was oh, like, wow. something just like came over me of that. I want to take control. I want you know, and he was like, and then I just kept going back to the same artist and I felt so comfortable with him. Mm-hmm. And I think again, it really ties in Joseph, you've always been this way, but you're so collaborative and you're so open to meeting people where they are and tattooing is very much that. And so I think it just makes a lot of sense. So I'm, I'm really glad that you're leaning into this. It's really, thank really you. Exciting. Yeah. It, it feels like, um, there's just this element of it where, um, I think you work with the artists like every time. And that's like, if I could give one advice to people who maybe aren't tattooed that are interested, um, have like a general idea, but like go find an artist that you love like and resonate with, like find work that you love and go in and talk to the artist and kind of figure out what they're hyped on because you'll get a better tattoo. You'll always get the best tattoo when the artist is like, oh, I want to, I've been wanting to do this. Like, this is sick. Like, there's a lot of pieces I have where I love them and the artists are like, oh, I wanted to do this like forever, blah, blah, blah. And it comes out great because they're hyped. It's like, why would it not come out great? Like, they're really excited that you chose them and, and like picked their work. Um, so yeah, that would be like one piece of advice if anyone like wants to get tattoos. Well, I have uh, one more question. What is a piece of advice you'd give your younger creative self? I think just like trust the process, like trust, trust that like you're on the right track and like, don't feel like you're not doing enough or you're doing too much. Just like work at your own pace. I love that. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yay. Let's take a little break. I love it. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. we'll play a little game when yeah. we come back. Ooh. Cool. Right. <laughs> we're actually going to tattoo each other and you're going to tell That's us how we're game. doing. Cool. That's the game. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so let's have a, I want him to guess what game he thinks it's okay. going to be. <laughs> little set, a little pregame of a. Yeah. Pregame of a game. Pregame of a game. What game you think we're playing? <laughs> Is it MASH? It's MASH. Matchmaker. <laughs> Someone's a listener. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm a listener. <laughs> um, it could have been like, like checkers. <laughs> <laughs> chess. We're gonna play chess for the next two that, hours. That game Trouble, where you had the little the little the little bubble in the middle, and you pressed it and it rolled the dice. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Twister. It. We're not playing that. We're playing Mousetrap. I <laughs> loved Mousetrap. That Classic. was such an enjoyable game. Yeah. I liked Candyland. It's very boring now. I've played it with the <laughs> with the little girl that I nanny, and it's so boring. <laughs> but I like it because of the illustrations of. 
all the different kinds of sweets. It's a beautiful board. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You should keep Queen Frostine up your sleeve just the whole time and just throw it down to win the game instantly. (laughs) That's, I could, I honestly could. I really actually let her win a lot because. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad otherwise. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I did not like to lose games as a kid. Me neither. I was like such a calm kid until I lost some board (laughs) game like Candyland. Um, Well, there's no way you can lose this game. No way you can lose MASH. Can you remind me of the rules again? Yes. So um, MASH stands for Mansion Apartment Shack House. That's our first um, category. We have four more categories, which are partner, children, career, and transportation. So for each of those four categories, you're going to give us four options for each of those. And I'll go through with my magic and predict your future. I'm going to start drawing a spiral and you just tell me when to stop. Okay. And go. All right. Okay. I want it to be a sizable spiral. It was I nice. That. Yeah, she was like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. <laughs> so first category is partner. Give me, um, who's your first option for that? And it can be anybody. Okay. Um, hmm. Okay. I'm going to go Isabel Huppert, actress, old lady. <laughs> oh, great. How do you spell her last name? Oh, there. Oh, founder. H-U-P-P-E-R-T. Uh-huh. What has she oh done? God, she's done this. She's done, she has like a lot of, she has, she has like so many movies, I feel like, but you say I love her. old lady, she's 68. <laughs> well, oldish. Compared, comparatively. Not our age. Yeah. To me, yeah. Older okay. woman. Interesting. Um, her like bio says, described as one of the best actresses in the world. So you're oh, in good company. Good taste. I know. No, she's my fave. I love her. Wait, the next line is also funny. It says, she is known for her portrayals of cold and disdainful characters devoid of morality. <laughs> what, a, what a typecast. That's like yeah. so specific. Okay. Next one um, Marge Simpson from The oh, Simpsons. Fantastic. I grew up with the Simpsons. So like, like when I was little, that's a visceral, that theme song coming yeah. on is a visceral. Oh my gosh. Every, I don't, I don't remember the schedule, but it would be like seven o'clock every night. My dad would be oh, watching yeah. Jeopardy and then we'd watch the Simpsons. Mm. I, I'm, that's like, the Simpsons is like my like religious text. I've watched it so many times. Like, yeah, like I'm, I'm Simpsons is ingrained into my brain. One of my favorite episodes is the when Marge does a production of Streetcar Named Desire. (laughs) It's a a musical. Streetcar. Um, And the ending song is uh, A Stranger's Just a Friend You Haven't Met. Streetcar. Yeah. My favorite Simpsons episodes were the uh, Treehouse of Horrors. Always. Always my favorite. So good. good. The classic one where. the janitor, well, I can't even think of his name, oh, yeah. Willie, where he becomes the big, this big, like, I feel like he becomes like a bagpipe spider or something in the sand. It's creepy. And as a child, it gave me nightmares. And yet I lived for it, which <laughs> kind of adds explains that, a yeah. lot about me as a person yeah. now. Um, <laughs> I have a, sorry, I keep uh, a lot of follow-up questions. So for Marge Simpson, would you be living in the Simpson universe or would she be a cartoon in- Could we go uh, back and forth? Yeah. Yes. You know what? There I feel is like an I can't episode. Be in Springfield forever, you know. Yeah. For sure. 
there is an episode, an older one where, and it's based off of an old Twilight Zone episode um, where Homer goes and hides behind this like shelf or something and oh, falls he goes into the this, other CGI dimension. Yes, he goes into this like parallel or the, yeah, it's just a different dimension. And that fucked me up for a while. <laughs> I really like the joke in that episode where he's like, has anyone seen Tron? And everyone says no. Yeah. It's like all, oh, it's fantastic. It really, it, that has always stuck in my mind, that episode. And then in the end, he like, he's in New York City. It's, it's cool. Um, okay. So we have two so far. We need two more options. Okay. Okay. Um, I might just say Charlie XCX. Great. She's powerful legend. Yes. Um, love her. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what, what would the last one be? I got to think of something good. Um, okay. I'm going to, as a wild card to balance it out with another older woman, uh, Patty Smith. Patty Smith. Throw her in there. Fantastic. I get to go to a bunch of cool restaurants and stuff and art galleries. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, children is next. And so say it every time. Typically, it's number of children. We're open to adult adoption. Um, We're open to, you know, like if you have names of kids you would like to adopt, that's fine. Um, Okay, yeah. First one, I'd love to adopt Chet Hanks. Just set him straight. I think he's getting a little, I think his head's getting a little big. I need to, I need to give him some fatherly advice. I love that. Yeah. He did not follow in his <laughs> father or his older brother, or I don't know if he's older. Know, he was other brothers. You know what's so funny that I remembered about him besides him being just like, you know, ridiculous on the internet is he was in one of the more recent seasons of Curb Your Enthusiasm, which I thought really? was really funny. Yeah. He plays like a uh vet like from the military like uh has just come back from service and larry's the only one in the room that doesn't thank him for his service and it becomes like <laughs> a big thing that larry didn't say thank you um okay, okay um okay. then uh my second option is to have eight um like elf sons um we were this. just talking about <laughs> no well, smurfs Can okay you oh. smurfs? yes can I have eight Smurfs as children? Yes, definitely. <laughs> that would go hand in hand with Marge Simpson. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, third one, the robot child from uh, Steven Spielberg's AI. That movie? <laughs> it's so fucked up. That movie is so deranged. I wish Kubrick did it. I always get sad that Kubrick died and he didn't get to make it. That's who was supposed to make it. I didn't Kubrick know that. Was, like, oh. it. Yeah, and then he died. Um, that was like his next one, and then Spielberg took it on. I feel wow. like it just would have been such a different movie. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Fourth one. Um, I'm gonna do Billy Madison. Um, that's another <laughs> adult adoption. Adam Sandler's Billy Madison. Fantastic. <laughs> what a what a like prison for Adam Sandler to have to stay in <laughs> character <Yeah>. forever. <laughs> Live under your roof. <laughs> Did I hear a normal voice? You're supposed to talk oh, like Billy. I'm uh, sorry. I didn't adopt Waterboy. Right? <laughs> yeah, this is the wrong movie. Uh, um, okay, next. The next category is career. Okay, career. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. 
All right, as a nod to you guys, I'm gonna start off with professional podcaster, but I'm talking like $6 million studio. Like (laughs) I've got a huge uh, like keyboard of noises and sound effects that I can use. Um, And my show is 24 seven, I'm always broadcasting. I'm never not broadcasting. Um, That's the first job. I think a precious gem appraiser would be the second one. I love that. Third one, disgruntled, like, adjunct professor. I teach, like, (laughs) geology one, like, an elective everyone has to take, and I don't even really like it. Geology. (laughs) (laughs) Even though geology is kind of cool, maybe I do like it. Maybe in a scenario, I'm really into it. Yeah. (laughs) 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 I can't wait to see what what we get from this one. And one more. What's something, what's a job that you would need? Obviously you've already kind of done that, but no prerequisites for like, you don't have to go to school for it. You don't have to take, take all the, do all the things to get there. Maybe like, um, owning like a, owning like a convenience store, but somewhere like super weird, like, uh, like middle of nowhere, like courage, the cowardly dog type vibe, (sighs) like (laughs) that'd be cool. These are all such haunted convenience store. Haunted so my answer con- is haunted convenience store, I guess. Haunted. God. He stressed oh me out. That show stressed. I was me. I was hoping yeah. it was Mash because I was like I I feel like I could I could come up with some stuff. Oh yeah. Final category is transportation. Okay. Um, yacht. Gotta be gotta be yacht. Inflatable yacht. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's inflatable. <laughs> it's portable Uh, yeah it's good yeah it's portable i I don't have to store it in the winter you know um (laughs) um, honestly i'll do like a sincere answer here i this is such an la guy thing but i would love a like tiny little vintage like bmw Mm, or something i see cool cool people driving them around here sometimes i'm like dang Looks fun. Yeah, looks fun. Oh, yeah. um, but I, but I've heard I've been very warned about getting a classic car. I hear they're very annoying, and they there's like so many problems. The there's a lot it's of upkeep. You yeah. have to find the right part. Did you hear that from yeah. Jerry, Jerry Seinfeld? You guys, that's where you heard, where you heard it from. His comedian. No, I didn't. But, <laughs> he didn't. But I like that. Jer. Jer. Um, Jer. <laughs> okay. Um. All right. I gave two. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Hmm. One of those like really old timey giant bicycles with like the big wheel that like mm-hmm. guys in Portland who like have like yeah. a mustache wax company probably ride around. I'm like imagining. <laughs> what are those like, called? <laughs> yeah, what are those called? That's such know. a Portland we get, thing. We need a name. Yeah, it's like it's like super unnecessary. Old timey. Um, they're called a penny farthing. A penny farthing. <laughs> also known as a high wheel. <laughs> um wow i mean getting on that is really fascinating well we're gonna include we're gonna include some photos in your instagram post we have these to. are phenomenal They're yeah so cool. yeah <laughs> i mean you can't see them but i'll send them to i you. can't wait to have the most confusing grid of all time <laughs> like <laughs> um okay and last answer um those like digi leg things that are like meant to synthesize like um animal hooves or something like arca wears them on her album cover and like vin diesel wears them for when he's doing the voice in guardians of the galaxy i've never seen guardians of the galaxy but i've watched a video of vin diesel recording the voice acting for Groot while he's wearing these 
insane um, height altering legs. Oh, oh, I think I, I know what you mean. Okay. okay. What are they, <laughs> what is it called? I'm, yeah. We're trying to I don't really on. know. Hold on. I'll send the video. <laughs> you need to get a visual on this. Yes. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are so freaky. What are they called? Yeah. Look at them. <laughs> I don't know what they're called. We're Can you guys get me like... some of these? <laughs> We're trying yes, to with our with our podcast money. With the name of the name. I know you guys I know you guys have funding, okay? Just give me the legs. <laughs> I cannot for the life of me find these legs, but I'm just going to call like them the Vin Diesel robot legs. Yeah. Yeah. Robot. You can do robot legs. God, these shots of Vin Diesel, like cherishing Groot, like holding Groot like that. <laughs> it's just so funny that he like, like they're like, yeah, you're going to be a CGI tree. And he's like, all right, well, I got to get these robot legs. He's like, I got to get, <laughs> I got to do some like research into what it's like. <laughs> so funny to me. Man. I want to know more about Vin Diesel. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know enough about him. Yeah, that I hit on. single. Yeah. Yeah, that hit single. You guys heard that song? What? You haven't heard Vin Diesel's song that As he dropped? Re- recently? <laughs> recently. A couple months ago. Oh, no. He's got, he's got the song this summer, and then he just disappeared on us. Feel like I do? Yep. Look at this video. Yeah, we'll You're going to have to hit we'll that after, after. Yeah, 100%. Oh, Kygo already did a remix, so. This is <laughs> old. We're gonna have to look that up. Yeah. Okay. You're gonna have to get on that. I'm gonna do my magic. Godspeed. Yeah. <laughs> it's a large spiral too. You really put her through it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Sierra. Honestly, no. This is exactly what we want. This is fantastic. Um, did you like grow up playing this? Like, did you play this in elementary school? Like, what's your memory of this game? I remember actually, I used to go to like a recreational camp in the summer. Um, And I like my mom would just send me there. Like, I think from like, probably like fifth to seventh grade. Okay. And I had like two good friends that went there. Okay. And they played it there during like, you could like pick your activity. There's like a bunch of activities. And I think we got they like wouldn't want us to play like the counselors wouldn't let us play anymore because we'd write like really ridiculous stuff and just uh-huh. like you know the classic immature like fifth grade boy and then oh, we'd yeah. read it out loud and they'd be like all right you're done they're like, Give me that. <laughs> you've lost yeah, this privilege yeah. Was, yeah i think yeah. camp was like the place that i remember hearing about the game okay yeah um, yeah i know and i always like i'm classically like every game like this i'm like what are the rules again yeah even card games i'm like i never remember never are you and cozy like do you like board games? Is that something you enjoy? We do like board games. And we've been talking lately about how like we want to get some for the apartment. We like yeah. don't have any. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I feel like it's fun to play. Yeah. That's how I'm feeling. I know we don't have any either. That's and it's like Cards Against Humanity is like fun, but like, I don't know. It's like, <sighs> I'd rather play like a strategy game. I, like I like Monopoly. Like that's stuff. Yeah. Fun. I feel like Cards Against Humanity so quickly gets to be like, okay, what's the most clever answer I can you know, and then it's, I don't yeah. want to and then it's like right you're now. grasping at straws like 70% of the game. I feel right. like I'm grasping at straws. I'm like, this isn't funny. Like, no. <laughs> All right. The results are in. Oh my God. Tell me, doctor. You are going to be living in a house with your partner, Patty Smith, and your child, Billy Madison. <laughs> 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 you're going to be a precious gem appraiser. <laughs> Who drives a tiny cool. vintage BMW. This rocks. This yeah. honestly is like the best outcome I could ask. For. Yeah. Do you think this Patty- is like a 
this is like a dark universe uncut gems or something. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I know. Accurate. Yeah, with Adam Sandler in there too. Do you feel like Patty Smith is like, ah, I don't really want to adopt him at this age, at my age, and you really push for it, or you think she was into it? What do you what I'm do you like, he has ADHD? I'm like, who's gonna adopt him? He needs help. <laughs> as a child, as a child who had ADHD, I can help Billy. Billy. Um, yeah. Wow. That's good. I like Thank that you. setup. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. I'm happy about the BMW. Yeah. Yeah. So we're kind of giving- would have been a close second. <laughs> <laughs> so we're giving our, our, our guests like three to five years to see this come to fruition. So we'll check in in like three to five years and see how Billy's doing, how Patty's doing. Just see how the BMW's at. doing. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the goal. <laughs> I like that. Great. Yeah. Cute. All right, let's take a little break. Could we? Cool. We must. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we'll be right back. Well, cool. How was your break? It was cool. We danced to Vin Diesel on our break. Yeah. And uh, we needed it. I don't think we'd moved like that. We haven't. I know. Yeah. We haven't. Something about his voice. <laughs> I wanted close captioning on it because I couldn't figure out what was Could not understand until what you're the, the the title. That's the only thing I understood. Was the title. <laughs> yeah. Well, we just wanted to check in. Uh, you've shared so much with us already, but we wanted to hear if you have any creative endeavors you want to share. You've already spoken about the work you're doing in LA, but if there's like a song or a poem or a passage from a book that's that's been really speaking to you lately resonating with you we wanted to hear if you wanted to share it huh yeah totally um yeah I was kind of thinking on this one and like initially I was like going to read something from the book that I mentioned earlier the could this be magic but I picked like a short poem by W.S. Merwin who he was the poet laureate for a while in the United States um really famous poet He's like a big environmentalist, um, basically lived the ultimate life in his final days. He like was planting trees and just like writing poems every day and like hanging out with his wife. It's like, I can't think of like a cooler life. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Billy Madison. I mean, true. Billy Madison yeah, and yeah. Patty Smith. It's true. Yeah. You're, you bring up such a valuable point with that. Um, but yeah, I'm going to read a poem of his that I found like, I have like all his poems, like his collected works. I'd say he's probably my favorite like Mm. poet, but I pulled up this one like a couple months ago and I come back to it a lot that I think is just like, I don't know, I'll just read it. It's called To the Hand. What the eye sees is a dream of sight. What it wakes to is a dream of sight. And in the dream for every real lock, there is one real key and it's in some other dream now invisible. It's the key to the one real door. It opens the water and the sky both at once. It's already in the downward river with my hand on it, my real hand. And I'm saying to the hand, turn, open the river. Yeah. Wow. It's good here, right? I yeah. Love that <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, it just, it just makes me think about like, I don't know. I feel like everyone can take that as like, you know, your hands can open a lot of doors in like a literal way and like, you know, a less literal way. Um, And I think that's like what I've been really learning this year is like how to do the thing. I'm very cerebral. I think I get stuck in my head a lot and I, I kind of like think about how I'm going to do something or like think about kind of real the like 
abstract details of what I'm doing and have a hard time, like really just getting it down to the paper, like, you know, mm-hmm. putting it in there. Yeah. It goes back to that, like trusting the path that you talked about earlier, you know, like trusting that your hand knows what to do and yeah. Following that, that intuition. Yeah. And like to give like a small anecdote, like, and just like trusting that it's like going to be all right. Like it is going to be all right. Like no matter what, like, and I think that's hard to see a lot of time, especially for me. I'm very like, I can be cynical, like with my own situation sometimes. And like, for example, like I just paid my taxes and like, I don't know if you guys were getting money taken out from your unemployment beforehand. Um, <laughs> I was not. No, um, no. Yeah. So I had to pay a little old $1,200. Um, That's what me. I have to pay too. It sucks. Yeah. But I'm so angry and resentful about it. Yeah. No, it's, it's infuriating. And I mean, it's like, we remember that like you know, we're paying more in taxes than Jeff Bezos is, you know, stuff yeah. like that really yeah. gets me. But mm-hmm. yeah, no, I was, I was really spiraling and like freaked out. Cause I was like, you know, not, I just knew that it was like, not going to be good, but I didn't think it was going to be that bad. Um, and then I sold something like that same day that covered almost all of it. And like, wow. I'm still, wow. I'm still a little pinched on cash these days more than I was in the past, yeah. but I just like trust that it's going to work out and like consistent work is coming and stuff like that. That like the the money thing always, yeah, I'm always like living right on the edge. Yes, and right. I had that week last week too, because our rent gets taken out. Like we pay it on the first, but it usually doesn't get taken out until like the 15th sometimes. So it's like, that's just sitting in there and I have to be really careful about it. And so this past week was a little tight. And I like said to myself, like, I just need like $200 for doing nothing. Like I just need that little window of money. And in the mail on Friday, I get a check from a law settlement, like a lawsuit of a catering company that I worked for in 2016, 350 big ones. What? For they got <laughs> they were like a big, they were they were from like Edison Ballroom, you know, in Times Square. They did the Writers Guild Awards, they did like Broadway cast party, like they were Whoa. a big fucking deal and they fucked over a lot of people. <gasps> so I mean, it's that like, everything's going to work out. And obviously (laughs) I want to be better about my finances, but it was a great moment of like, you put all that energy into worrying about it. What if you flip it and go, okay, what's the best thing that could happen? Yeah. You know, I think that's so important is like a bit, a big lesson I feel like I've been learning lately is like, in like certain Taoist teachings and stuff, like you're the way you talk to yourself, like you're, you're, you know, not inner monologue, but like the way you communicate with yourself in your head, they refer to it as like your secret mind. And I feel like I really have to work at like decluttering my secret mind. Cause it's like, when you're like bringing all the like small petty, like stress and all these like little things up there, I feel like it's like hard to like really listen to yourself and like know what to move or like what direction to move in. Where to turn. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And like, yeah, I don't know. I think trusting yourself is like a a skill that can be built on and I'm working on it for sure. I definitely see that. I can really see it. You seem lighter and you seem, like you said, more sure of the direction in which you're going. And that's really, I love seeing it. It's a great color on you. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So Joe, where can our listeners find you? I know you're active on Twitter. I also want to hear a little bit more. I know you're doing some DJ sets with, is it Orange Radio? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, creative stuff. Yeah, I have a radio show on a uh, hosting website group um called orange radio um i think i just said that twice um my homies richard and noah 
um, started it. I think they're originally from SF. Um, Richard just moved to New York, actually. So oh, cool. shout out Richard. But yeah, they run this great web radio station. Um, Noah presses a lot of tapes for people. I'm working on a meditation cassette right now um, with my friend Jack, uh, who I work with furniture with. We're, we're kind of cooking something up. So that will be sometime in the future. I don't really have a deadline. We're taking it slow. I feel yeah. like it would defeat the purpose of the tape to <laughs> be rushing yeah. it along. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I have a monthly show on there. So if you follow them at like Orange Radio on Instagram, I have a small like tattoo Instagram. It's very tiny, just like little stuff here and there. And that's, it's just Joelle, J-O-E-L-L-E, Van Dyne, <laughs> V-A-N-D-Y-N-E-666, which I know is like really annoying username i haven't thought of a good tattoo username yet so this is like a character from a book that I okay <laughs> okay yeah if you're in la and you know want something small hit it up yes. um but yeah other than that radio shows monthly it's usually announced on the orange page like the week of it's usually a lot of techno and like hyper pop and loud fast stuff um i have guests a lot like this month i have a buddy of mine named dom who's gonna be doing half the mix with me oh fun and yeah other than that what else the fur- oh yeah the furniture if you're in los angeles or if you can afford shipping <laughs> um <laughs> it's shop underscore rdc which stands for refuse design collective which is just like making trash into stuff Love it. but yeah you can find us on instagram all the stuff's on there um if you're in la and you like just like dm them and say you heard this or like her I don't know say you know me and I'll give you a better price I love it it yeah I'm a brainiac I'm looking for a new storm chaser I need a new a new storage bench yeah I need a new uh mid-century modern bar cart Um, would you mind yeah Yeah. oh you've shared so much with us we really appreciate it yeah thank you guys so much for having me on it's awesome I think it's a great platform and it's fun to hear what everybody's up to you know yeah Yeah. storming that brain yeah thanks Joseph yeah yeah talk to you soon okay bye Thank you to our guests for answering the question, what's been storming your brain? A big old thank you to our technical producer, Tim Fuchs, for our funky theme song with Chris Agar on bass and Louis Tanuzzi on trombone. Thank you to Ellie Stovall-Brown for our rock and cover art and to all you listeners for joining us this week. Be sure to tune in next time for a few more ha-has and a lot less wah-wahs. And follow us on Instagram at brainstormingthepodcast. Bye-bye, boys. Have fun storming the brain. brain.